It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast, and we are always presented by BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Make sure you get all over the promo code PODCAST1 and get all over March Madness. Sweet 16 will be here in a couple of nights. One of the best weekends in college basketball all year. And we are mock drafting today, so you can start to think about what prop bets you might want to bet. Again, the promo code's PODCAST1, 50% welcome bonus, betonline.ag. As always, I am joined by Evan Silva, superstar from Roto World, at Evan Silva on Twitter. Hello, Evan. What's up, Ross? What's up? What's up? Do I do I sound weird to you? No, you sound totally normal, actually. Okay, because I sound really weird to myself, and I feel like I'm th- I'm talking like this because I just had to get two like fillings replaced in the dentist and so i'm fine but my mouth is still really really numb on the right side so this should be interesting i think this is the first i've done like two thousand podcasts in my life but i don't think i've ever done one with a numb mouth very excited by the way i i should probably tell you who i am i'm ross tucker most of you already know that former nfl offensive lineman five teams seven years journeyman extremely excited about today's show because Evan said, I want to bring on the best mock draft guy in the world. And according to Evan, that is <laughs> Ben Standig, at Ben Standig, who is a Wizards and Redskins reporter for NBC Sports Washington. Highly encourage you to check him out on Twitter, at Ben Standig. But, Ben, I have a little bit of a bone to pick with you because when Evan said that to me, I said, wait a minute, you're the best mock drafter in the world. You had the best one last year. So which one is it, Ben? Is it you or is it Evan? Who's the best in the business? Wow, wow. this is a uh, – first of all, that's a fantastic introduction. Thank you. Uh, look, I mean, you know, uh, to be the best, you got to beat the best. Evan beat everybody last year, so I think he's got the belt right now. I've had my moment before and we, we both won that same contest but yeah evan's got the belt right now so i appreciate him trying to make me the uh the the the, the guy but you know right now i think he's got to be the goat no so ben before we move on to the actual mock draft i always like to ask a couple questions get to know you a little bit more um what's your background and how'd you get the gigs where you are and of course how'd you become the second best mock drafter in the world behind evan silva <laughs> um you know, uh, I, I did the whole uh, journalism thing in college, t- decided to screw around with that and go do actual like a, a, a real nine to five job for a while. And when that sort of decided that didn't stick with me, I'd jump back in to journalism. I'd been working in the D.C. sports scene for the last uh, decade plus, kind of bouncing around to all the different teams. You mentioned Redskins, Wizards and so on. And uh, I even had a stint with with Evan at Roto World back in the day. And, uh, you know, just kind of kept grinding it out and, uh, you know, wor- worked up to now being you know, on the Redskins beat, like, sort of like full time the last, you know, four or five years, give or take, and uh, among the along with the with the uh, with the Wizards, and uh, you know, it's been a, it's been an interesting ride to say the least. 
<laughs> on the Redskins front. Uh, there's always weirdness going on, as you as you very well know. And uh, yeah, I mean that's just kind of how, how how things have gone for me. Okay, now what about specifically the mock draft part of it? Sure. Well, I mean, I definitely was one of those kids that you know did it on my own all the time uh, growing up. I think one year I had Terry Hoge as the number one pick in the draft without kind of knowing what was happening. I think he was on the cover of like Sports Illustrated, and I thought that uh, that made a lot of sense to put him number one. Uh, and you know, I, I just kept studying it over over time. I don't pretend I'm uh, you know breaking down tape the way I'm sure you guys are on the regular but i do pay attention i watch college football obviously and I, I come at this mostly from the nfl side of things try to understand what what kind of what the teams are looking for and then also try to understand the draft as a whole you know it's obvious to sometimes say well this team needs position x and therefore they should take them but i always kind of look at it as well wait maybe they take position x but then they also need positions you know y and z and those things don't exist in the subsequent round so i try to you know figure out you know kind of from both ends of it, what does a team need, or the strengths and weaknesses of the draft, and then kind of just figure it out from there. And I guess, Evan, my question for you before you guys start would just be, other than it's really fun and it's interesting, Mm -hmm. is there any sort of fantasy football value in your mind to mock drafting? No, 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 not not at all, not at all. This is its own separate entity. You're certainly – uh, as we've done in past years, we have um, done a show regarding NFL draft props, uh, NFL draft prop bets uh, leading up into the draft, and uh, hopefully we'll have an opportunity to do that this year as well. But no, I mean, no real fantasy football value here. I mean, it's 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 a dead time right now for fantasy football. You could play best ball for sure. I myself have not gotten into playing best ball. Yet this year, I think I'm going to wait until after the draft, but um, not a whole lot of action on the fantasy football scene right now. One thing I wanted to say about Ben, one thing I wanted to say about Ben is that, well, first of all, you know, when like there is one website, it's called thehuddlereport.com, and it has tracked mock draft accuracy for the last ten plus years, and it's the it's one of a kind. I mean, it's there are some websites that have tracked mock draft accuracy for like the last two or three years, but no one has been doing it as long as the huddle report. And, you know, there are, I think about around a hundred writers that participate. Some of them have not been consistent in submitting their mocks. You know, if they, if they take a year off, it's going to hurt their, their over overall score. Um, but Ben and I, and you know, about, about 60 others have been consistent um, producers and, uh, and sent our you know sub- com- consistent submitters to the website. And Ben has a top five accuracy score over the last five years. I'm 16th over the last five years. I had a really bad one um, the year that Mariota and Winston uh, were at the top of the draft because, like, in my mock draft, I projected the Eagles to trade up for Mariota. And that year, if you did that, you were screwed. So um, I had a terrible year, and it's about to drop off. Uh, so I'm coming for you, Ben, up in the top five because it's, it's the it's the um, it, it's the one that's going to drop off right after this year. But yeah, Ben has been consistently really good. Not only did he win the one year, I think it was what 15 or 2015 or 2016, somewhere in there, 
but he's been really good every single year. He hasn't had any terrible years, you know. So that consistency over time, like people talk about, you know, <clears throat> all these different guys mock drafts, you know, Kuiper and McShay's mock drafts, like they're not accurate. Ben has been accurate for an extended multi-year period of time. And so I would rather hear who he, if, if I'm looking at it from an accuracy standpoint, I would rather hear who Ben Standig thinks a team is going to take because of his ability to be pragmatic than I would Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay. I love it. All right. Well, uh, without further ado, and I would say there is some value, Evan, in just really having to critically look at the teams and see where they're at and what they need. Because to be a good mock drafter, you have have to have a really good grasp of the teams. So there is some value there. Um, in my mind, I would say, from a fantasy football perspective, you have to have a real good sense of what the teams have and what they need to be a to be a good mock drafter. So, with that, I will uh, I'll I'll lay out and let you guys do it. All right, so Evan, you want me to jump in first here on the uh, on the Cardinals? You're going to be nice to the guest here. Yes, sir. All right, cool. Well, I'm, this is this will not be exactly a, a stunning pick at the at the first spot if you've if you've paid attention to anybody's. Mock drafts. I, I don't think it's a lock that the Cardinals take Kyler Murray number one. I, I do obviously suspect that this is where things are headed, just based on all, all the all the buzz out there and the Cliff Kingsbury connection and all that. I, I've been told by some people around the league, like you know, don't think it's a lock yet until Josh Rosen's off that roster. We'll see. But that said, Kyler Murray's the best quarterback in, in this draft. I mean, the, you know, we can still have debates about his his height and things like that, but he's got all the arm talent. And, uh, you know, look, when you, when you start a new regime the way the Cardinals did, at least with the head coach, often the head coach wants his own quarterback, especially when he's an offensive guy. And uh, it seems to me that they're going to go with Kyler Murray and then figure out the Josh Rosen piece later. Yeah, when I was in the comb- at the Combine, this, that was all the buzz. Kyler Murray to the Cardinals, like, it was, a, it was a done deal. And I'm buying it for sure. Number two... Nick Bosa, I think that a lot of people are going to have Nick Bosa as just like the number one graded player in the entire draft. Uh, and the 49ers did go out and acquire D Ford um, in exchange for a second round pick from the Chiefs. So they're, they're, they're beginning to put together um, an outside pass rush, but they need another guy. Um, they've got a lot of big guys up front, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, Solomon Thomas, you know, et cetera. Salma Thomas and Eric Armstead, I think, have been kind of disappointments. DeForest Buckner, of course, has been a stud, but this this would be a, a way for them to have two big time outside pass rushers and one guy in the middle in DeForest Buckner. And I think that they can. I think the 49ers are a candidate to take a really, really big step uh, this year. And I was looking at their Super Bowl odds, thirty to one, uh, in some spots. Um, I think that they're an interesting team, and I think that if they can't trade out, and I'm sure that they're going to listen to offers, um, but if they can't trade out, I think that they're going to go with the number one guy on their board, and I think that would be Nick Bosa. Yeah, and Evan, as I get to the Jets here, I, one thing I think is interesting about this whole situation is that if the Cardinals actually take Murray, they're, they're not only likely trading Josh Rosen, they're also giving up Nick Bosa. So you are kind of giving up Bosa and mm-hmm. Rosen on some level for Murray. I think that's – I mean, you'll obviously get picks back for Rosen, but I think it's just something to think about as they make that selection. Um, the number three pick, New York Jets, this is where I think the draft officially sort of gets going because those first two picks I think are, are, are kind of a little bit obvious at this point. 
the Jets could do a few different things. They could be the team that takes a trade if somebody wants to move up ahead of it, you know, the Raiders or the Giants, perhaps for a quarterback, they could be moved down. There's also a debate what they do. You've got two guys on the board. They need an outside pass rusher in Josh Allen. But I've been kind of going with the idea that Quinn and Williams, a defensive tackle from Alabama, is the better player. So even though the outside linebacker is more or of an edge rusher, I should say, is more of a need for the Jets, I'm going to go with Quinn and Williams uh, for, from Alabama. Again, I can see the, the Jets trading down. You can still get an edge pass rusher a, a few picks later if they choose to. But for right now, that's the way I'm going to go. Just take the best player, and that's Quinn and Williams' defensive tackle from Alabama. Okay, so now we get into to number four, and we're starting to get into some teams that might you know might be quarterback territory. Um, I think that the Raiders, they, you know, their their front office has really tried to broadcast that they are not moving on from Derek Carr, and that's entirely possible. You know, it's entirely possible that they're not moving on from Derek Carr, but you know, the, the rookie quarterbacks' contracts are cheap, and um, you know, you're not going to have the opportunity to draft like you you don't ever want to draft in the top five again. And, you know, next year, even if you're rolling with Derek Carr and you only go seven and nine, at least you have an option then if you take a quarterback to move on from Derek Carr, who, you know, I, he's I think he's been mediocre. I mean, he's never reached seven and a half yards per pass attempt in his career. You look at the way that the Raiders have built their pass catcher core this offseason, a bunch of vertical guys, Antonio Brown, one of the best vertical receivers of all time Tyrell Williams a big vertical receiver you know guys like J.J. Nelson um, you know just a just a speedster receiver and I think they need to take a quarterback Um, they have three first round picks um, and you know I think that at worst they they really are going to be like a six to six to seven win team in 2019 and then they would no longer be in quarterback territory Uh, but this year they are so I'm going to give the Raiders Dwayne Haskins at number four, um, and we're going to move right, move right along. That is a, a very interesting call. I d- totally believe John Gruden cannot help himself with quarterbacks, whether he takes one at four or the other two picks. I'm with you on taking a quarterback. That is bold, and it has changed up my board here. Uh, Tampa Bay <laughs> Bucks have the fifth pick. I've been giving them an edge rusher to some degree. They they, they they addressed a couple of their needs this offseason for agency, but edge rusher remains one. I was looking at uh, Montez Sweater with Sean Gary, but now you've left Josh Allen on the board. So to me, this mm-hmm. is pretty much a, a no-brainer. At this point, they're going to run up with the card and take Josh Allen, the pass rusher from Kentucky, who really moved up a lot this year throughout the season. Uh, I mean, his his massive uh, sack totals uh, you know, make it make it clear why. He, he He's the best edge guy at this point. So for me, Bucks go with uh, Josh Allen, outside linebacker from Kentucky. Okay, okay, yeah, that that winds up being a good pick there. I think um, this puts the Giants in a difficult spot. I'm going to go with Brian Burns, um, not a run defending uh, outside linebacker prospect at all. But man, this this Giants team is desperate for pass rush, and I was looking at um, as you mentioned Montez Sweat. He's got a, a heart issue that might might cause him to drop a few slots in the draft. Um, maybe it won't, but I think that that's who the Giants should be looking at here. Um, Brian Burns, a little bit cleaner as a prospect than Montez Sweat, and um, you know th- this Giants team badly needs pass rush. I mean, they were they had 30 sacks as a team 
last year, second fewest in the entire NFL, fewest in the NFC. And then they moved on from their best pass rusher, Olivier Vernon. So they're they're pretty much desperate. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if you know they pass on quarterbacks entirely and they just take two pass rushers with their first round picks. We'll we'll see. You're going to be you're going to be on the clock for their number seventeen pick. But yeah, I'm giving them Brian Burns here at number six out of Florida State edge rusher. Just out of curiosity, if Haskins was still there, would you have gone Haskins or stayed with the pass rusher? No, I don't think they're taking Dwayne Haskins. Um, you know, based on a, a lot of the reporting that that has come out. But um, I don't know. I mean. You know, we're we're not in that world. We're not in that world because Dwayne Haskins is off the board. So uh, hard, hard to say. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I, 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 I'm with you. I would I would I'd be going pass rusher there one way or the other. Uh, number seven pick Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, they came into the offseason desperately needing a quarterback. They addressed that by signing Nick Foles. The, uh, the uh, uh, they need some other help on offense for sure. They need some more playmakers. They also need to uh, fix that offensive line. Jawan Taylor from. Florida has seemingly emerged as the best tackle option in this draft. It might be a tick early for him based on just sort of talent, and maybe we'll find out in a, in a couple of weeks that all of us are overvaluating where he is. But for right for now, it seems like that's the reasonable way for Jacksonville to go. Uh, so give me uh, Jawan Taylor, offensive tackle from Florida, to help protect Nick Foles and open some holes for uh, Leonard Fournette. Yeah, you got Cam Robinson, their left tackle, coming back from a torn ACL, and they cut. Their right tackle. So I think that Juwan Taylor probably would start uh, right away at right tackle uh, for the Jaguars. I like that pick, and he kind of fits there. He's like a more of a more of a power blocking uh, tackle, and I think that kind of fits their their mo um, as like a powerful run first team. <clears throat> uh, number eight. The Lions. Now, the Lions have at their disposal. Okay, I think I'm going to stick with Ed Oliver. This is who I had in my first mock. Ed Oliver gives them an inside pass rushing presence. Um, they have been pretty. The Lions have been pretty diligent about um, making a, a lot of uh, defensive improvements this offseason. Certainly, Trey Flowers uh, reuniting him with Matt Patricia after they were together in New England. He's going to be um, but they're starting uh, left defensive end, and I think that Ed Oliver would make a lot of sense um, teaming up with him on the interior, a little bit undersized, but really, really explosive. And you know, you want to have, you don't want to just have the the outside pass rushing threat. You know, you want to have that interior pass rushing threat as well. Ed Oliver brings that to the Lions. Matt Patricia knows all about that. You know, I, I think you put him right next to Damon Harrison, and all of a sudden your defensive line is starting to look pretty good on paper. Interesting pick. I've been looking at the, some sort of, some of the linebackers, edge rushers for Detroit, but obviously I think Oliver, it feels like he's one of the underrated prospects of this draft. It feels like people are willing to slide him down more than I am. I haven't had him outside the top 10 for the most part, so I think I just from a value standpoint, if nothing else, and talent standpoint, I, I like that pick for sure. That said, I had him going nine to Buffalo in my mock, so now I've got to think here for a quick second. You know, I, but, but Buffalo, I, you know, this may just simply be what's the best situation on the board. They've got a few places they can go. Offensive line, I, you know what, I, I'm, not, I'm not seeing anybody here with Taylor off the board. You mentioned Montez Sweat earlier. We don't quite know his medical situation, 
But if he's available, you know what? You can never go wrong taking pass rushers. Maybe that's not the Bills' top need, but I, I think it's probably w- what I would do here at this point just based on overall talent. Maybe I talk myself into Devin White from LSU, but give me Montez Sweat, the edge rusher from Mississippi State, who really was you know, flying up the boards before this uh, heart condition came came out. And uh, you know, hopefully it's nothing serious. It doesn't sound like it is, and we don't know for sure, obviously. But give me Montez Sweat to, uh, to the Buffalo Bills at number nine. I like it. I mean, their stud pass rusher Jerry Hughes is in a contract year, and on the left side, Trent Murphy uh, wasn't was was a pretty much a, a disappointment for them as a free agent pickup last off season. So I think that they, we're going to see them take maybe multiple edge rushers in this draft. I think that that's an awesome pick for the Bills uh, at number ten, Broncos. Now this is a team that we could see go quarterback. This is also a team that is hell bent on winning now, and you know doesn't have a ton of draft picks, and um, you know it seems very confident in Joe Flacco, and I think that Andre Dillard, um, uh, offensive tackle out of Washington State, make, would make a lot of sense for Denver. Garrett Bowles has kind of struggled on the left side. I think that they plug in. Andre Dillard as their left tackle uh, for you know the next decade ideally, and Garrett Bowles moves over to right tackle, and all of a sudden you know their offensive line is starting to look pretty formidable uh, with Joe Flacco at quarterback, and they've got that running game with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. So yeah, I'm going with Andre Dillard, maybe the best pass best pass protecting uh, tackle in the draft. Uh, Jawan Taylor, as you mentioned earlier, at number seven to the Jags, maybe the most complete offensive tackle or at least the highest upside offensive tackle in the draft. Andre Dillard, the best pass protector. Um, and, you know, they're going to need to keep Joe Flacco healthy and upright because, you know, this is a guy who's battled back problems in the past. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like how their offensive line is starting to look if they can add that a big time tackle at number 10. They, they absolutely need to get uh, offensive line help for sure. I, I've been kind of leaning towards the quarterback, though, not because I mean they just got Joe Flacco. You can we can debate, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what, whether that was an elite move or not. Sorry, I had to go there. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I mean it's sort of a matter of does John Elway have a lot of job security that he thinks I can take the quarterback I like, build towards the future, and then still you know make make enough moves to go for now. But yeah, in terms of right now, Andre Dillard is certainly the way to go. So that takes me to the Bengals at 11. And I think the obvious pick here is LSU's Devin White. They def- they definitely need an inside linebacker. I will say I'm very, very tempted to go with Drew Locke because even though the Bengals have Andy Dalton, you have a new coach, an offensive-minded coach in, in Zach Taylor, who, you know, all these guys want their own quarterback, and Drew Locke is sitting there. And, and that's why I think Drew Locke might be in play for the Bengals or one of these quarterbacks. I mean, Dwayne Haskins would obviously – I don't even know if they could pass him up when you consider the Ohio situation there. All that said, on this board, I'll, I'll go with Devin White. It just makes too much sense for, from a fit. You know, Burfitt gone. They need that. They need some linebacker help regardless. And Devin White, you know, you're starting to see some people move him into the top five in, in drafts. So uh, he, just a, a freak athlete, uh, you know, productive at LSU. So give me Devin White for the Bengals at number 11. Yeah, the the Bengals, uh, even with Burfecht in there last year, they were bottom four in receiving production allowed to running backs last year, and then they allowed the most um, 
touchdowns in the league to tight ends. Just couldn't cover it all on the second level. Was particularly exposed when Nick Vigil, um, outside linebacker, was 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 uh, was sidelined there for with an MCL sprain, um, and they will be getting him back. But yeah, they don't they don't have a big time player in the middle, uh, and Preston Brown. Um, who they who they are bringing back is really just a one down run stopping player. They need that that three down off ball linebacker, and Devin Bush and Devin White uh, both kind of qualify there. I'm just going to go with the other Devin here at number twelve for the Packers because the Packers are kind of in a similar spot. You know they struggled at the inside linebacker position next to Blake Martinez all last year. Uh, they let Jake Ryan go, who missed the year with a torn ACL. They let him go in free agency. He went to Jacksonville. Blake Martinez coming up on his contract year. Um, so going to give the Packers an off-ball inside linebacker. I think it's a, a safe selection. And we've got Devins going back-to-back off the board at number 11, number 12. I like Devin Bush. I think he's been kind of underrated, but it does feel like maybe after that combine performance, he's starting to to move up. Uh, on the on the public boards, I always I always think that the you know the NFL guys obviously know way more than we do on the outside. And when we talk about guys moving up, it's just a reality. Is maybe we're, we're just guys are just we are just catching up to the world, and maybe that's the case with Devin Bush. And I, and I and I and I don't mind that pick at twelve for sure. All right, the Miami Dolphins. I, I am one thousand percent buying that they are tanking uh, for this season, and that that's you know setting themselves up for a quarterback in twenty twenty. That said. <laughs> Drew Locke is sitting here. Am I supposed to not take him for a team that effectively has no quarterback? Even if they're tanking, we're looking. What did we What did we do at the start of this draft? We said the Arizona Cardinals took Josh Rosen last year. They traded up to get Josh Rosen, and now we're suggesting they're going to take another quarterback because they like somebody better. So, why couldn't Miami do the same? Why can't they take Drew Locke? Still put themselves in a position to tank with a rookie quarterback and and Fitz Magic and see where they're at at the end of the year. So. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know if I buy that. Buy this, but I don't know how they pass. So give me Drew Locke to the Miami Dolphins and, and let them worry about what twenty twenty when twenty twenty gets here. All right, number fourteen, Falcons. I'm just going to go with Rayshon Gary, um, interior pass rusher out of Michigan. Uh, a lot of people were disappointed by his just overall stats and production, but man, this guy is a big time athlete. And you know, I think a lot of the, the, the way the ways that they used Rayshon Gary at Michigan weren't necessarily conducive to him putting up, you know, big time interior pass rusher uh, statistics or, or big time edge rush uh, statistics. But he can play all over the defensive line. That, of course, is a four man front in Atlanta. And, you know, you put him next to um, or you put him on the same line as uh, as Grady Jarrett. And you know they've been disappointed for and for good reason by Vic Beasley, especially over the last two seasons. Vic Beasley has really only had one good season um, out of four, and I think that they're probably going to move on from him uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, so Rayshon Gary, a guy that that uh, can can rush from the interior and from the edge, um, and I think that he can make an impact in year one. The Falcons, I think, are a really underrated team. They were just beset by injuries all last season and just never really could could get anything going, especially defensively. Need to continue to add to that defense. And Grady Jarrett is on a, is on a franchise tag, you know, and 
he could potentially walk after the year. So need to continue to supplement the talent on that defensive line. Rayshon Gary out of Michigan going to the Falcons at number 14. All right, the pressure is on because you just took away probably the last edge rusher type on this board that I was considering for the Redskins at 15, and all the, the top three quarterbacks are gone. Obviously, the Redskins you know, have quarterback questions long-term. The edge rusher they need after letting Preston Smith walk in for agency. There's still other things the Redskins need, I promise you that. They, they, they need a left guard. The wide receiver situation is a bit messy. Inside linebacker has got a potential hole after letting Zach Brown go and not knowing exactly what's going to happen with Reuben Foster. Even though they got Landon Collins, they could probably add another safety. All these things are in play, and I'm going to take none of them, Evan. I'm not going to go for any of those things I just said. Instead, give me TJ Hawkinson from Iowa. I, I, I'm very. The Redskins have got to get some more receiving help. And look, the reality is Jordan Reed. It's been it's been a minute since he was that Pro Bowl level tight end. He 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 largely stayed healthy last year until the end, but it just doesn't look like it's the same guy. And I don't know how much longer the Redskins are going to want to rely on him. They can use two tight end sets in the interim. They need a bigger. They need some more size in general. So while I don't think tight end is obviously their biggest need right now, I, 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 on this board with all the edge guys gone, I, I'm going to go with T.J. Hawkinson and hope the Redskins fan base doesn't yell at me too much. <laughs> no, I think that when we're done with this draft, I think that the one criticism that I'm going to have of it is that the tight ends are not going early enough. I mean, these are stud tight ends, particularly Hawkinson from an all-around standpoint. Um, and then there are a couple of uh, tight ends that are, are going to go a little bit later. I think that uh, in this mock, I think that these tight ends are going to go earlier than we are mocking them right here. Um, but I think that we'll, you know, we'll like the the general mock consensus hasn't quite caught up to that yet. But man, I mean, these these guys are awesome prospects, and I think that NFL teams are more and more catching on to the idea that throwing to your tight ends it's actually more efficient than wide receivers and running backs. Super high percentage plays, you know, uh, over the course of last season's throwing to, to to tight ends not only had a really high completion rate but also averaged about eight yards per pass attempt. Um, and I think that uh, teams are and, – and we're also seeing in recent, in recent years tight ends make more immediate impacts for a very long time. You know, the thing was, hey, rookie tight ends can't make big impacts uh, in their first season. Well, we've seen that kind of start to, to switch. And uh, I love the, the Hawkinson pick here for Washington, even after I just drafted – Jordan Reed in like the 13th round of a recent dynasty startup. Um, hopefully the Redskins <laughs> don't do what, what you recommend here, Ben. Uh, number 16, Panthers. You know, Panthers had one of the most disappointing defenses in the NFL last year. Their offense was just rolling for a long time until Cam's arm just kind of like fell off his body. Uh, but he had surgery, got, got it reattached to his body, and now they need help defensively. Um, I, I could go a number of ways here. I'm going to go up front, and I'm going to go with uh, Jerry Tillery, um, who, you know, you put him next to Don Terry Poe, and I think that Jerry Jerry Tillery can make a big impact uh, upgrading over guys like Kyle Love and, and Vernon Butler, who's been a disappointment as a, a former first-round pick. Uh, Jerry Tillery is six foot seven. Uh, you can play him on the interior or the exterior. He is, I think he's going to be like a six to eight sack guy. 
uh, out of Notre Dame in the NFL. And um, I think that, yeah, he's he's a, a high floor, high upside pick. And this team just really needs help defensively. All right. Uh, I, 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 I like that you're always a bold man. I mean, there's a, I think some people – there's a couple of the defensive tackles that people seemingly are picking ahead of Tillery, but that doesn't mean – but uh, Tillery mm-hmm. is a – a top prospect, of course. You are a Notre Dame guy. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna forget that, though, Evan. Um, of course, you would never let your your, your college football influences affect your your, your, no. your mock draft. This is this is this is business. This isn't for fun. Uh, <laughs> all right, number seventeen, the New York Giants. You gave them a, an edge rusher earlier, which I agree with. So now the question is, what do they do here? Do they take that quarterback for the long term behind Eli Manning? Do they go for another receiver? You know, obviously Odell Beckham no longer lives in New York. They've also got a bunch of other needs. I'm sort of torn here, Evan, because, you know, I'm looking at some of the defensive linemen available. Cleveland Mm -hmm. Farrell is still on the board. Christian Wilkins is still on the board. Two guys out of Clemson. I I don't necessarily know if that's the – I think those guys may be the best players on the board. And at some point, you just kind of have to go with the best. And, and you know – you know what? Give me, give me Pharrell. I, I, I don't know if that's the best call, but you know, I, they just, I, I just, you know, if I, it, when in doubt, I'm going to pick the line. I, I've had a, 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 a trusted NFL talent evaluator say to me, "This guy is basically Richard Seymour." It, it does feel like he's sliding a bit in the draft, but I think the talent's there, and the Giants, you know, I, I don't like any of the receivers. I'm not a big D, DK Metcalf guy, so I'm going to wait in the second or third round take receivers so give me Cleveland Farrell out of, out of Clemson and and just go for the best talent and they do need some more push up front anyway yeah so they solidify their edge rushing problem with their first two round picks and it's another year of Eli you know maybe maybe sign him to an extension um at number 18 <laughs> number 18 uh Vikings I think that this is an easy easy pick for the Vikings, I think they can move Riley Reef into left guard, and uh, they can either kick Brian O'Neill over to left tackle or leave him at right tackle, and they draft Jonah Williams. I mean, this team, this is another team. Like some of these teams, they have their holes are so big uh, at particular positions that I think they should use like their first and their second round pick to to fill to fill those needs and the Vikings offensive line is is not in a good place right now um and you know we saw Kirk Cousins just I mean he he played really well under pressure for the first half of last season but it really caught up to him in the second half of last season he did not play his best football down the stretch Vikings wound up missing the playoffs he was under pressure at the third highest clip of any quarterback in the NFL Last year, Jonah Williams has these has these kind of minor red flags like arm length and you know um, you know didn't didn't exactly crush the combine, but consistent executor at Alabama. I think he could play. I think he could play. I think you could give him a shot at left tackle, but I think that they use him at right tackle here, and I think that o- O'Neal probably is the best candidate. O'Neal coming off a um, a real solid rookie season. He, he uh, gets the first crack at left tackle. Riley Reef. they've already talked about moving him inside to left guard. Uh, so I think that that would really help maybe solidify their offensive line uh, for the next couple of seasons. Yeah, I mean, the Vikings have got to. They're one of those teams that just they have to take offensive line high in this draft. And, and if Joan Williams is still there at 18, I think that's a borderline no-brainer, like you said. So I like that one a lot for sure. 
All right, 19, the Tennessee Titans. This is a team where I, if TJ Hawkinson's still on the board, I like a lot for them. If there's one, if there's edge rusher still on the board, I like a lot for them. They, they, they got some interior offensive line help in free agency, but they could still do a little bit more there. Uh, but Christian Wilkins, to me, the, the interior defensive lineman from Clemson, I've got him going a little bit earlier in the mock, in, in my own mock. So I'm looking at it from a value play. They could still they could use some more push inside of their defensive line. And, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm just going to go in, I'm going to go in, in, in that direction. Uh, again, I don't love the receivers. They could also take one there even after getting Humphreys. But g- give me Christian Wilkins. I, I think that's a good fit for, for what Tennessee needs. And, again, the defensive lineman in this draft, I mean, it goes without saying, it's just all, so much talent on the board. Uh, you know, it's, at some point you just have to take the talent even over need. But I think in this case it kind of works. It, it kind of works nicely both ways. All right, 20 through, th- through 32. Let's just do these ones rapid fire. Uh, I'll start it off. Number 20, Steelers. Taking Hakeem Butler. I think that he's the best receiver in the draft. I know he's not appearing in a lot of first-round mock drafts right now. Don't care. Um, This is a guy that Greg Cosell is comparing to A.J. Green. I've watched a bunch of games of him. I I think he's going to be the number one overall dynasty pick, um, especially if he goes to a team like the Steelers. Interesting, interesting. All right, 21 Seattle. For here, I can go either offensive line with desperate need or in the secondary. There's all the cornerbacks are still on the board, uh, but so is uh, Cody Ford, the the mauling uh, tackle from Oklahoma. The teams are kind of looking to maybe move inside. I think you've got to protect, obviously, Russell Wilson. I know they've got some go- – oh. they, 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 they did upgrade their guards, though. Evan, I'm torn here. You, my, my board is all messed up. You know what, Evan? <laughs> I, 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 I'm scratching my pick. We're going a different way. I'm going to go greedy Williams. That they also need secondary help significantly. And I think you can get some offensive linemen later in this draft. I, I like the I like the top corners in this draft. So I, 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 scratch that off my board. We're going to go greedy Williams, cornerback LSU. Okay, Ravens. We're gonna we're gonna put a speed vertical threat on the outside. We're gonna give a Marquise Brown. Drawing comparisons to Deshaun Jackson. Not going to work out before the draft, but expected to be ready. Uh, for training camp due to that foot injury. All right, Houston, similar to Seattle. They can go offensive line for sure. They can also go cornerback. In this case, I am going to go stick stick with the cornerback. I think DeAndre Baker, uh, some think he might be the best corner in the draft. The top three guys are all, uh, I think, a cut above everybody else. Uh, so the, 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 uh, the Houston has two second-round picks. that They can work there to, to get some of that offensive line help. So give me DeAndre Baker, cornerback from Georgia, for the Houston Texans. All right, number 24, Raiders. I'm going to give them Byron Murphy. Um, I would have taken Greedy Williams if he had fallen past Seattle, but I'm going to give this team uh, Byron Murphy. They need cornerback help. You know, I think that they're only locked in uh, cornerback that they can rely on for 2019 is uh, Gary and Conley, and and even he has been up and down. Byron Murphy may end up in the slot, I think he's a, a high floor pick for them, um, and I think that he's a day one contributor out of Washington. That is exactly the pick I have in my mock for the Raiders. So we got some good. Uh, we're, we're on the same page there for sure. Position and player. Eagles at twenty five. I'm not convinced that Josh Jacobs, the running back from Alabama, goes in the first round. But this, if it's going to happen, it feels like this is the spot. Either the Raiders at twenty four or the Eagles at twenty five. Obviously, Philadelphia they, they basically struck out. With uh, with uh, running backs and free agency, 
historically they don't go for the running backs early. They, they, they sort of get a hodgepodge of guys later on, and that's why I'm not totally convinced this is happening. But uh, Jacobs is the clear best running back in this draft, and uh, if he's going to go in round one, this feels like where it would go. So give me Josh Jacobs to the Eagles at 25. Colts, we're going with Noah Fant. Um, I heard at the Combine that uh, the Colts are, even with Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron on the roster right now, the Colts are still very much interested in supplementing their tight end unit. Jack Doyle, of course, coming off the hip injury has had, uh, he's coming off hip surgery, he's had a lot of hip problems. Both Ebron and Jack Doyle are in contract years. Um, and Noah Fant, I think, is uh, is going to be a game-breaking tight end in the league. And I think that he would be – and I was do, going through the Colts' needs just yesterday. They don't have any needs. I mean, they're they're really truly one of the most complete rosters in the NFL. Um, so they're going to make a forward-thinking pick, and I think that Noah Fant checks that box. I know that Chris Ballard is a huge fan, huge believer that a market inefficiency in the NFL is attacking defenses in the middle of the field with your tight ends. I, li- I like Noah Fant a lot. Green Bay is very mad at you right now. Uh, 27, the Raiders, their third third-round pick. I've been kind of viewing this as a, a an opportunity for Oakland to sort of uh, go for a little bit of a wild-card pick. I, ha- I had them taking a quarterback with this spot because, like I said earlier, I don't think John Gruden can help himself. And all the reasons you mentioned earlier as to why it makes some sense – to take a quarterback in round one, but you already have them taking Dwayne Haskins at four. So let me go with a different type of wild card. This guy was a projected to be a top five, top 10 pick before he suffered a knee injury. And now he's sliding back on the assumption that the Raiders recognize they're probably not contending for the Super Bowl this year, but by next year, maybe they have enough pieces to start getting a little more interesting. They go for the bigger picture play and take Mississippi defensive tackle, Jeffrey Simmons, obviously I don't know the extent to the knee injury, but I'm assuming that it's, if, if we assume it's sort of the garden variety knee injury, they get a top 10 pick at 27. So give me Jeffrey Simmons uh, for the Raiders. And, and, and um, you know, I, I think they're starting to, uh, to build something here. Chargers at 28, Cody Ford. Um, there, you know, he could end up at guard or tackle. I think he would just play on the right side of their offensive line, period. It could be at right guard, uh, but it, I think it would more likely be at right tackle, upgrading on Sam Tevy, who was um, a liability for them down the stretch. Cody Ford, uh, I think it might it might go a lot higher than this, might go in, in the second round. I think he's a very kind of volatile pick, not the easiest guy to project, but I think he makes a lot of sense. Tom Telesco very much believes in uh, building – up front on both the defensive and the offensive lines. Uh, and Cody Ford, I think, would give them kind of a, a nasty mauler, be it a right guard or right tackle. Uh, I like that. 29, the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, the, the Tyree Kill situation is still sort of floating around out there, but we'll, we'll, we'll push that aside for now. That They also, uh, you know, D Ford gone, uh, Houston gone. They, they, they could use some edge help there, but... You know, there's a couple of guys you could maybe consider, but I think maybe reaching a little bit. They also need a center. They, they lost Mitch Morrison free agency, and Garrett Bradbury, the center from NC State, has gotten a lot of attention uh, post-combine for sure. So let me go in that direction, how Kansas City uh, protects Pat Mahomes straight on with Garrett Bradbury, the center from NC State. Number 30, Green Bay Packers. We see DK Metcalf still on the board. Is that correct? We do, it is correct. 
Yeah. So, and I mean, there's a reason for that. You know, I mean, this guy only had, what, like 60 catches in his entire college career, or, or not even. I think he had, like, fewer than 40, actually. Um, just w- was not a producer, was hurt a lot, goes to the combine. You know, everybody starts to hear about him. He's appearing at number nine to the Bills in a bunch of mock drafts. I, I think that that's, that's crazy. I think that he is, you know, kind of a, a one-trick I mean, and he's really good at this one trick, but a one trick, deep threat, big time, you know, Martavis Bryant sort of vertical receiver. Um, And, you know, the Packers already they they already showed an affinity under their new front office for guys like that. And Marcus Valdez Scantling, Equanimia St. Brown, Jamon Moore, you know, not that all not that all these guys are the same, but they're all big with great measurables. And now they're getting. Uh, now they can they can go ahead and get a guy who, after spending so much money uh, defensively in free agency, they can go get a true first round talent after messing around with those guys uh, on on day three last year. And I think that one of those guys is probably going to pop. I mean, I, I still like Marcus Valdez Scantling, um, still like Equanimia St. Brown, Jamon Moore. I think was the biggest disappointment out of those three last year, and definitely there's still room for one of those guys in this Packer, Packers pass catcher core. I mean, they've they've lost a lot. You know, there's no Jordy there anymore. There's no Randall Cobb. There's Devontae Adams and a, a bunch of question marks. I think that they would love to get a, a, one of these Iowa tight ends to fall to them. But with the DK Metcalf on the board, I think they got to pull the trigger at 30. Yeah, they, they got to get Aaron Rodgers to, some more help. And, and DK Metcalf, another guy, a polarizing prospect, like he said, but, yeah, he seems like that would be a reasonable decision there. All right, number 31, the L.A. Rams. Um, uh, you know, bum, bum, bummer they got Blake Bortles or I might go or, or I might have gone with a quarterback here for them. No, just kidding. Uh, th- 31, I mean, they need a, a center. Sullivan is, 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 you know, shouldn't be back. And, right, and Dominican Sue is still a free agent. Uh, there are centers available. There are defensive tackles available. Dexter Lawrence from Clemson, another part of that just ridiculous line that the national champs had is on the board. And, you know, uh, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen with Sue, but they've got to replace that spot. So Dexter Lawrence seems like a pretty good uh, a pretty good option there for the Rams at 31. Huge dude, great athlete for, for a guy that weighs around 340 or so. So give me Dexter Lawrence as the Indomitian Sue replacement for the Rams at 31. That's exactly what I have going to them in my first mock draft. Uh, number 32 Patriots, to wrap it up, Nasir Adderley out of Delaware hasn't generated a ton of offseason buzz because of where he played, because he's been kind of banged up during the offseason. But, you know, you look at the Packer or the Patriots secondary right now, ton of guys in contract years. Um, Devin McCourty has even talked about retirement. Jason McCourty, it sounds like they're going to, whenever they, whenever one of them retires, the other one is going to retire as well. Jonathan Jones uh, is also in a contract year, uh, their slot corner. And this year, Adderley has played cornerback and safety, uh, really shined at safety his final two seasons at Delaware. And um, I think he'd be an awesome pick for New England at number 32 overall to, to wrap this up. I love it. I love finishing with uh, an FCS guy. I almost was a Delaware yeah. Blue Hen. My uncle and my sister both were Delaware Blue Hens. That'd be cool. To see another Delaware guy go in the first round. I hope everybody enjoyed that as much as I did. I've done mock drafts before, 
And how crazy is it, no matter how prepared you are, once somebody does something that you were not expecting, it really, it really tweaks things. And obviously, in the real draft, they have, what, 10 minutes or 12 minutes, you know, in the first round to kind of get things settled after they're given a curveball. You guys are literally talking live on the podcast and kind of thinking things out. But I always think that's a, a really fun exercise to follow. You should follow, speaking of that, Ben on Twitter. He's at Ben Standig, S-T-A-N-D-I-G. I mentioned that earlier. Evan, of course, always at Evan Silva on Twitter. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. And the other thing you should follow right now, if you're not already, is you should follow your little computer or phone to betonline.ag. Use the promo code podcast one. And maybe place some bets on some draft prop bets in terms of where guys might go. Now that you got a little more knowledge from Ben and Evan, or if you just want to bet on the bracket challenge or check out my bracket or bet on the games that start again Thursday night, it's betonline.ag. It's the promo code podcast one for that 50% welcome bonus. Other than that, I am totally stuffed. That was an absolute feast. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.